Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz are back in action tonight. They are going to play the Celtics in Boston. And we're going to get to that coming up. We're going to talk some uh, college basketball with our basketball insider Steve Cleveland in just a few minutes. You're going to hear from Steve and his thoughts on the Cougars and the Aggies in the NCAA tournament. Uh, The football news for the day, uh, officially... Tomorrow is the day the deals can get done, but teams can talk to other teams' players today. So we're hearing stuff. Nelson Aguilar is leaving the Raiders to go to the Patriots for two years and $26 million. A guy who washed out in Philly, reinvented himself with the Raiders. Now he's going to depend on Cam Newton getting him the ball. See how that works out. Uh, other quarterback news, Jameis Winston re-upping in New Orleans. So New Orleans is set for a Taysom Hill, uh, Jameis Winston uh, quarterback derby. Unless they get Russell Wilson. And if I were Seattle, I wouldn't move Russell Wilson. But I guess if it gets untenable and they have to, then we'll see how that plays out. Uh, If that doesn't happen, then Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston kind of uh, polar opposites here, in my view. Um, You know, with Winston, you got a guy who makes big plays. He threw 30 touchdown passes in Tampa. He'll push the ball down the field. He can make big plays. But he famously had the 30 picks. He's got to get rid of the negative plays because they are just a killer. Taysom, he'll take care of the ball, but will he make enough big plays? Can he push the ball down the field accurately, often enough, uh, to be a big-time quarterback in the NFL? I think the Saints... They've got two guys who are definitely viewed as high-end backup quarterbacks, but they're viewed as low-end starting quarterbacks. And the way to change that is to lead a team to the playoffs because that will change the perception. You know, there's a handful of guys who've won Super Bowls, and with Bree's retirement, you know, that list gets shorter. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, obviously Brady's the GOAT. Obviously Mahomes is the rising star. Um, but with the Mannings having retired, you know, it's kind of a short list of, of players who can say, hey, I led a team to a Super Bowl. And then you've got a bunch of guys who can get people to the playoffs, right? That's what Lamar Jackson does in Baltimore. Um, and we have quarterbacks who've been to the Super Bowl but not won it. Well, the Rams had one and traded him to Detroit. Stafford can get you to the playoffs. Um, you know, see what happens in San Francisco. They've been to the Super Bowl, but they got to keep the quarterback healthy. Or maybe their quarterback has to stay healthy. Um you know, Alex Smith was in that group. Now, is he still a starter, advanced age, and injuries? Ben Roethlisberger has been a Super Bowl quarterback, but, you know, the way they fell apart, maybe he's viewed as a playoff quarterback. Some people maybe view him as less than that now. Um, you got guys maybe on the way up, Kyler Murray, right? The, do the Cardinals and Chargers both have young quarterbacks? You know, they aren't there yet. Um, you know, Buffalo, they've probably got a guy, well, he's a playoff guy, but can he be a Super Bowl guy, right? So, you know, you are what you are and, until you win and prove differently. So we'll see what happens if uh, if Russell Wilson isn't on the move and if New Orleans doesn't get him. Um, you know, Prescott isn't going anywhere. Rodgers isn't going anywhere. So the quarterback musical chairs, the stars, that sounded good. Roethlisberger isn't going anywhere. Uh, but it doesn't look like it's happening. You know, maybe, maybe Taysom and Jameis Winston are going to get a chance to play this out. Or maybe uh, Deshaun Watson will finally force his way out of Houston and we'll see what happens at that point. All right, DJ PK, got to take a break. When we come back, Steve Cleveland, stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, it's DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's football season. All right, no it's not. But it's spring football season, the U getting underway, the first practice yesterday, they had the first media availability and they brought out all four quarterbacks to talk to the media and uh, they all came with uh, slightly different attitudes and stories. The one thing they all have in common is their transfers. So many transfers. All right, Peter Castelli's a high school kid. So there's that. Uh, he's the Californian in the crowd. The other guys are all transfers from Texas. Although Cam Rising with an asterisk because he was a high school kid in California before he went to the University of Texas and then he transferred. Jaquina Jackson and Charlie Brewer both grew up in Texas. Jackson went to Texas. Brewer went to Baylor. Uh, Brewer played a lot. Jackson did not. And now they're all in the quarterback room, learning a new offense and trying to figure out how things work. We're going to let you listen to each of the quarterbacks so you get to know them a little bit. We will start with Charlie Brewer, the presumed number one. Kyle Winningham said, well, we made him number one because he's a senior and all the other guys are freshmen. And he played a lot of football at Baylor, threw for a lot of yards, won a lot of games. He gives short and direct answers, and it doesn't sound like he's very interested in getting into the backstory of why he left Baylor and how he chose Utah. That's what I took from listening to it, but you know, you can come up with your own judgment right now. Here's Charlie Brewer. Charlie, you uh, you know started you know quite quite a few years at Baylor, and then uh, what what led you to making a change, and then ultimately ending up at Utah? Yeah, I think for me, I was just kind of ready for a change, and uh, you know, get somewhere new. Um, you know, glad it worked out the way it did. Uh, really excited to be here. Got a great coaching staff, you know, a great team. And, you know, I'm fortunate to, you know, be part of Utah football. Next question will come from Cole Bagley with the Utah Daily Chronicle. Morning, Charlie. Morning. What was it that made you commit to Utah so quickly? I just thought it was a really good opportunity. Um, felt like it was a good fit and uh, just kind of went ahead and did it. Didn't want it to, you know, drag along too long. And, uh, you know, I felt I made a, you know, a great decision. Next question will come from Josh Newman. Charlie, good morning. Good morning. Um, a lot of times when a graduate transfer quarterback is looking for a new home, uh, you know, they're looking for a spot where they can play right away, you know, and maybe competition is not part of the equation. Uh, obviously, there is going to be a competition here. Um, you know, was that a was that a benefit to you that you were going to come in and, and that you were going to have to compete? Yeah, I mean, I think there's competition kind of everywhere, everywhere you go in college football, there should be competition. So, you know, I think I, I welcome that. And, you know, I've been through, you know, many competitions before and um, you know, I think it's, you know, not just good for me, but good for the team. Next question will come from Josh Furlong, followed by Hans Olson. Yeah, you come from a conference that obviously is known for its its heavy passing attacks and, and just a ton of offense. You know, what do you, what do you feel like you can personally bring 
uh, here to a to a place that, quite honestly, is 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 a lot of uh, running back and a lot of you know pounded into the ground type situations. H- how do you feel like you can kind of fit into this type of offense? Uh, you know, I think you know first off, just being a good teammate. Um, you know, to everyone on the team. You know, earning everyone's trust. Um, you know, I think you know here I'm going to get to do a lot of a little bit of everything, kind of a very multiple offense. So. Um, you know, I feel as if I'm able to throw the ball and, and you know, tuck it and run when I need to. Next question will come from Hans Olsen, followed by Cole Bagley. We're so accomplished at Baylor, Charlie. What went into the decision to leaving Baylor? Um, you know, I think it was, you know, a multitude of things. Um, just felt, you know, overall it was, it was best for me and my career if I, if I moved on and, um, you know, kind of went somewhere new and, um, you know, finished my career somewhere else. Next question is from Cole Bagley. Hey, Trent, I'd just like to get your initial thoughts on the wide receiving core here at Utah. Guys like, you know, Britt Covey, Jalen Dixon, Brant Keithy. What, what are your overall thoughts on the talent here at Utah? Yeah, I think there's a lot of talent. Got a lot of, a lot of good receivers and tight ends. Um, and running backs that can catch the ball. So there's going to be, a, you know, a lot of guys that can that can make some plays. And, um, yeah, I think there's overall there's a ton of talent. There's Charlie Brewer, the transfer from Baylor, who interestingly comes from a family of quarterbacks. His dad was Texas' starting quarterback in the mid-50s. Excuse me, his grandpa was a starting quarterback in the mid-50s. His dad was a walk-on at Texas and started in 81 and 82. Won a Cotton Bowl his junior year. Got hurt and didn't play in the Sun Bowl his senior year. So, man, he he grew up to be a quarterback. Uh, now, Jaquin and Jackson. Uh, he, while Charlie Brewer gave some short answers there and was a man of few words, uh, he spoke with a lot of emotion. He was friends with Ty Jordan. They never played together, as he will explain. They were on, on opposing teams. Uh, they both committed to Texas, although Ty then flipped and came to Utah. And Jaquin and Jackson went to Texas. But when he was looking to transfer, Ty Jordan um, was a big part of the reason that he ended up at Utah. And Jaquin spoke with a lot of emotion. You know, Ty Jordan, just a tragic story, his death. Uh, Kyle Whittingham spoke about it with a lot of emotion. Um, and Jaquin is about to, too. But even with Ty gone, he's still having an impact on the on the football team if Jackson ends up being a big part of the team. Jaquin Jackson, here he is on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. JJ, when you were when you were leaving Texas and, and, and you had all these offers to go to other schools, what what stood out about Utah? Uh, I really didn't get a a visit to Utah, so I really didn't know what it was really about. Uh, until I actually talked to Todd, but he he broke it down to me. Um, once he broke it down to me, he explained to me that um, it's a family and it's, and everybody speaks together and it's a unit. I just fell in love with it then. So from that that point on, I was just like, I'm coming to Utah. Next question is from Josh Furlong, followed by Josh Newman. JJ, I think a couple of weeks ago you tweeted that you made the, the best decision to come to Utah. What what you know is it about Utah that you feel like has has maybe I don't know if it's you know revitalized you or, or given you kind of a new sense of, of of hope. What what do you feel like is is this change has been for you? Uh, everybody everybody is one. Everybody is a unit. And everybody stick together as one. It's a family here which um, 
which is a plus for me. So that's one thing that I love about this program. And it's a um, uh, NFL-ready program, basically. Um, they get you ready for the NFL, but as a freshman, like, it's, this program is amazing. Next question will come from Josh Newman. Jacquinan, how are you? Doing fine. How about you? Doing well, thanks. Um, look, this is a new situation for you, new teammates, new quarterback room. Can you maybe describe what the vibe inside the quarterback room is? Because, you know, you're not the only new guy in that room right now. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a chill vibe. Like, everybody learning. Everybody um, – we everybody's on the same track because Logan is doing an excellent job teaching us the offense and giving us game on how to be successful as quarterbacks. So it's uh, it's a brotherhood and a family in the quarterback room. And uh, just to follow that up, I'm curious. I mean, I mean, you're a Texas guy. You spent a year at the University of Texas. What what's the uh, change been like coming from Texas to Utah, non-football, just in general, trying to get the vibe of Salt Lake City? Right. Comics is, I can't even explain it. Uh, and it's freezing, like it's snow every other week. I don't, I don't understand it, but it's uh, it's amazing. Man. I love it out here. The viewing of the mountains, I, like I have, I have never seen mountains before. So it's uh, it's it's mind blowing. Next question will come from Josh Furlong. Yeah, what was your relationship um, with with Ty Jordan, and and how have these last few months been um, since his death? Uh, I've been knowing Ty since we were in eighth grade. Um, I had played against him in a uh, spring football. He played for the LA Wild Dogs, and I played for the Dallas Lions. Uh, I had first seen him. I was like, bro, he was short and stocky and fast. I I have never seen nobody like that. I called him Little Hercules because he was so big and fast. But um, me and Todd grew a relationship over over time. Uh, I had took my official to Texas, and he took his. This was back when uh, him and his mama was alive. I uh, got to meet his mama. Um, We had a um, conversation about him coming to Texas, which he ended up doing. And I – and he – He uh, told me about why he um, flipped, you know, which I totally understood. And that's when uh, I seen him out here doing his thing. So I was like, like cheering him on from the side because, you know, I wasn't playing that shit. So I was basically like texting him every, every other game. I see you doing your thing and stuff like that. Uh, and his death, his death was surprising, like, it, it, it caught me off guard. Uh, I had actually got woke up on my seat from uh, from the news. And uh, the following Monday, we were supposed to um, work out, basically try to get the feel for each other because we ain't never been on the same team. We always been competing against each other. But the relationship with me and Todd was actually about to start getting even closer than it was. And, uh, yeah, it just, that was just another, another blow to the stomach. Cause I, I don't lost three people in one year last year. So 2020 was a tough year. 
But yeah, that um that was my boy, long little tournament. Sorry, I know just to follow up, I know this is this is obviously hard for you, but how much how much motivation does that give you? And and obviously you've seen this now with the team who played with him, uh, to kind of play this season and dedicate this season to him. It's it gave me a lot of motivation because I know that he's not here to do it, so I gotta do it for him. Uh and this like me, me, Ayla, we we done talked about it before, because Ayla very close with him too, so Aaron Lowe, um, we had talked about it before and we said we gotta we gotta do it for the ones that's not here. Um so we're gonna keep pushing, moving forward and keep grinding and grinding out to the to the wheel fall off and uh just keep keep them on our mind and keep us choking. There's Jaquin Jackson, the transfer from Texas, speaking with a lot of emotion about his late friend Ty Jordan. Uh, Peter Costelli, the guy in the room who is not a transfer, high school kid out of California, uh, missed his senior year because they didn't play in the fall, and then he's an early enrollee. They're starting to play high school football now, at least in parts of California. I don't know all of California, but a big part of California is starting to play football now. Uh, so... So he's missing a big chunk of football here and, and going a couple of years without playing. How will he end up on the depth chart? Where will he end up? An open question, but here's Peter Costelli. Peter, are you already seeing the uh, benefits of enrolling early and, uh, you know, rather than playing playing your last year back in high school, but coming to Utah and already getting started here? Yeah, I think it benefits me a lot, especially just getting, you know, to know the offense as quickly as possible so I can compete as fast as possible. Of course, I would want to play. I mean, it was an unfortunate situation with uh, without playing high school, without my senior year of high school. But I'm definitely the benefits are definitely paying off right now with just getting to know the offense. Next question is from Josh Furlong, followed by Steve Bartle. Hey, Peter, you obviously mentioned that last season for you. I mean, how hard was that decision to make, whether staying in in high school or or uh, being able to come out here? And and what do you feel like? Uh, you can do, especially in such a competitive room with with a lot of talented quarterbacks. I mean, it was a definitely it was a definitely really tough decision for me. It was tough, especially because I built such a connection with my high school team, my high school coach. But just looking at the situation, you know, you had to just I had to make a tough decision, and I just decided to come up here to you know get myself involved in the offense as quickly as possible. But um. Now the the quarterback room is it's really good. We have a lot of good quarterbacks. It's great also to learn just from the older guys too with their experience, and they can teach me a lot of things. And Coach Ludwig is teaching me great things. It's just a really good opportunity to be up here. Following up on that real quick, you you committed pretty quickly. I mean, you you kind of set the tone for this recruiting class and and uh, stayed firm. I mean, what what was it that was so convincing about Utah that you didn't even really want to think about any other schools and, and just commit here? I mean, it was just a perfect fit for me, you know? It was just one of those things where it's like, I, everything I need is here. What's the point of looking somewhere else, you know? So I didn't really want anyone else to take the opportunity away from me too. So I just wanted to lock myself in and happy to be here. Next question will come from Steve Bartle, followed by Cole Bagley. Morning, Pete. Morning. <laughs> um, you know, I'm just curious. You haven't you haven't had the opportunity 
to compete, you know, for, for a long time, you've done a lot of training, but just how excited are you to take the field again in this kind of setting? I'm, I'm very excited. It's, it's been a while since I've gone on the field and played, but I just can't wait to get on the field and just get thrown the ball again. And, and to follow up on that, um, what's going to be the biggest priority for you uh, in camp uh, and, and how are you, uh, I guess, how are you going to learn from the other guys in the room? I'd say the biggest thing for me is just mentally getting down the offense. You know, it's just getting down the offense is probably the biggest priority for me right now. I, I can, I'll always work on my physical abilities to get better, but just getting down the offense is probably the biggest thing. And again, the older guys are helping me a lot. You know, they're always, they're always willing to answer questions. There's never like, They'll never say no, you know, they'll, they're just really helpful. All right, there is Peter Costelli. Now, the last quarterback, the one you're most familiar with, Cam Rising, because he won the job in the fall, played briefly one quarter of one game, and then he got hurt. He can't go in spring because he's still rehabbing the injured shoulder. But here's Cam Rising meeting with the media. Cam, how has the uh, injury been uh, healing up, and uh, do, you, do you feel like you'll be ready for, you know, summertime and uh, fall camp? Um, I think the injury is coming along great, uh, getting better each and every day. And just been taking advantage of the time that I get in the, in the treatment room. And it's been good. And I think, yeah, come summer, should be back. And then, and then to follow up on that, uh, how, how critical is it for you to be there for those guys uh, who are in during spring ball to learn the offense to, and to get everything down so that when uh, fall camp comes, there's a full competition? Well, having this is my third year here now. So, I mean, just helping these guys any way I can, whether – uh, any of these subtle nuances that we have in the, in the offense that we have here rather than where they came from or, or whatever they have, just helping out, giving some input wherever I can um, just, just to be there for them. Next question will come from Josh Newman with the Salt Lake Tribune, followed by Josh Furlong with KSL. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks. Um, it's been a long time since we've spoken to you, you know, can you maybe take us back to the injury? Just, you know, you went through fall camp, you won the job and then, you know, very early in the opener, you know, the injury occurs, just how, how frustrating was that maybe in the moment or in the, or in the days that followed it? I mean, definitely not an ideal situation, but I mean, it happened and, and now I'm here and now I'm focused on getting back. And that's my only, only goal right now. I don't really worry about what happened only can control what I can control. And just to follow up on one thing uh, that Trevor asked, you know, what is the quarterback room like right now? It, it's a pretty radical change, right? Going from uh, Jake and Drew, you know, now you've got Charlie and Jock Quinden and Peter in there. Yeah. What's the dynamic of the room like right now? Um, I mean, I say we're meshing together pretty well. Right? Everyone, everyone has a lot of respect for each other. There's no, no rivalries or anything that's being developed. We, we understand that we have a common goal here and that's just, just to get better as a team and keep competing each and every day. Next question comes from Josh Furlong, followed by Alex Markham. Hey, Cam, obviously uh, Ty Jordan's death shook you guys pretty hard and obviously, you know, for obvious reasons, but what, what do you feel like uh, this can do to maybe motivate your team as well as to kind of take us back through a little bit of what it was like when you found out that news and, and how it's, how it's impacted the team? Oh, it was my heart dropped. It, it just—it still gives me a sour feeling, and and it still hurts me to the bone just thinking about it. But just knowing who Ty was and 
and how he always pushed the team to be better. Just knowing that just it's, it shows in the work that we're putting in and, and that's pretty much how Ty has been affecting us and, and helping us with, with our goal this year. And yeah, it was, it was rough, you know, for sure. Next question will come from Alex Markham. Cam's final question coming from Hans Olson. Morning, Cam. Morning. Hey, so, you know, obviously it wasn't ideal that you, uh, you went out that fast in the season, but you know, you're the type that tries to make the best of every situation. So, what uh, what did you kind of focus on throughout the shortened season just to make sure that, uh, you know, you were staying on your game and, and you know, just staying there mentally as well and improving? Um, I mean, I got a lot of reps and, and got, got a lot better just taking advantage of all the all the fall camp and phase one work that we had. It, it uh, had an accruing effect to, to just help me become the player that I am right now and and now I'm just focused on getting my shoulder back so that I can get back into it and, and feel it out. But just getting all those valuable reps with all the ones and, and doing that, that, that's pretty much what I'll take from last year. Cool. And then just to follow up really fast, sorry. Um, during, during the season, um, you know, what was it that uh, you were kind of taking your mind through um, just in preparation, knowing that, you know, it, it was a shortened season and you still had a great opportunity ahead of yourself? Yeah. Can you repeat that? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a little confused. With this one. No, no, you, you're good, man. You're good. So, I mean, obviously you go from being able to practice every day to, yeah. you know, being, being injured and, and everything becomes kind of more mental, right? You know, yeah, so sure. what, what were you, what were you doing throughout the season just to stay sharp and, uh, you know, and, and stay obviously motivated and prepared yeah. and prepared going forward? Well, when I had got my surgery, it was, uh, it was like a, pretty much a week off and then and then I was able to get back into it after after all that but just just trying to trying to take all the phone calls that I could with Jake and Drew just talk talk any any ball that we could or or even give any input when where I could just that that was pretty much my goal at that point because since there wasn't really much I could do on the field thanks final question will come from Hans Olsen Cam, I'm interested to know how it affects your psyche. Seeing the quarterbacks that they brought in, very accomplished quarterbacks, how does that affect your psyche? And how do you kind of a, approach that competition? I mean, personally, I love it. I, the, that competition drives me. It is – it's the reason I play football. It's the reason I love football is because you're always continuing to try and get better and, and having having a great quarterback room is only going to drive me to be better and drive these guys to be better. So. That's, that's how I'm taking it. All right, there's Cam Rising, and there are the four Utah quarterbacks. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. 
DJ and PK brought to you in part by The Store. The Store has grab-and-go meals and hundreds of local products. The Store has two locations, in Holiday, 6200 South and 2050 East, and at the Gateway Mall in downtown Salt Lake City. That's The Store. DJ and PK, it is time to bring in our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. So much to talk to you about. The Jazz are slumping. The Aggies got in and were whooping it up in a ballroom at their hotel. The Cougars knew they were in. They just wanted to find out who they're going to play. And they still don't know who they're going to play. So we got to get through all of this with you in the next 20 minutes or so. Let's start with uh, BYU. We knew they were in. We thought they might get a 6 or 7 seed. They got a 6. So for all the people who felt like your teams and Dave teams got poor seeds and deserved better, well, none of that this year. But... UCLA or Michigan State, if you were Mark Pope, who would you rather play? And if you were Mark Pope, who do you expect to play? Uh, I'd rather play probably UCLA, who's lost four in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I mean, you know, it's uh, I've seen UCLA play a couple times, and uh, but you know, it's not that they're obviously they're they're a solid team. They got in, uh, they've had some good wins, but anytime you're, you've lost four games in a row. Um, there, there's some doubt, and uh, I'm sure they believe they can beat Michigan State. And you know, and when you look at Michigan State, uh, you know, you're, they they've defeated Michigan, number two Michigan. They've defeated number four Ohio State. They've defeated <laughs> number five Illinois. So you know they're capable. I mean, they got bad losses, and they lost three out of the last four as well. So, uh, but to me, the Big Ten was the best conference in the country. And for Michigan State, and I don't know a lot about Michigan State, but at the end of the day, if you can if you can beat Michigan or Ohio State and Illinois, you're 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 capable of beating anybody. And I, I recognize those were home games; they weren't neutral site games. And um, so, you know, I think I'm wanting to play UCLA, but at this time of the year, you know, you're you're just doing everything you can to prepare. And, uh, you know, you're not really talking to your guys about the fact that they've lost four in a row. I probably wouldn't be the smartest. You're going to show them film of, of good wins, big wins, and get them ready and make sure they, re- they respect their opponent. But, uh, uh, you know, they took fourth in the Pac-12. They're 17-9 and nine UCLA. So, you know, they're, they're solid. Michigan State just had a much more difficult task, and it took a while for them to start playing better. But, uh you know, like I said, they lost three of the last four, but they had in uh, in February big wins over Ohio State and Illinois. So I'd I'd probably go with UCLA uh, just because of the those circumstances. This sort of reminds me of your time at BYU when they saddled you with Syracuse and UConn, and so they weren't necessarily, I think both of them actually were coming off a national title the year before and didn't have banner years, but they're banner programs. And that's the way I look at whoever BYU gets, not banner years relative to what their program is used to, but nevertheless, big name programs. Yeah, you know what, that it's true. And I mean, I think Cincinnati will be this the first in our first. I think they had won a national championship year before. I have to look, but it wasn't the year before. It was they had had uh, had a great run. And uh, I feel, and maybe it was more the 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 coaching staff there, but you're right. I mean, it's one of those things that it, it is. They may not have had a banner year, but they've got a great tradition, and they've obviously year in and year out have great players. You know, uh, 
I, I forgot the guy's name at UCLA, the head coach there, Cronin, I guess. Uh, Cronin, Mick Cronin, you know, yeah. He, yeah, he's done a nice job there. And, you know, that thing was kind of flattened out. And there wasn't a lot of energy, and he's brought energy there, and he's got guys believing they go in. Uh, obviously, Michigan State's a storied program with national championships and, you know, and the like. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they've not had great years. You're right. And, but they've proved that on any given night they can do something. But playing in neutral sites, uh, you know, I think the advantage for BYU is they get to watch this team play uh, on a Thursday when they're going to play them on a Saturday. And uh, I think that is an advantage. I mean, it's not like they're going to do a lot of different things come Saturday night. It gives guys a familiarity with them. Uh, and, and obviously they've got a bunch of other tape they've watched. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, I think there's a benefit. And then, you know, two days later, they got to play BYU. Uh, I don't know if the, have the sites where everybody's playing yet been established. I think they're going to that field house there Hinkle. for BYU. Hinkle Fieldhouse oh. from Hoosiers. Mark Pope can measure yep. the free throw line if he'd like, or maybe the rim. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's where Butler plays. And, yeah, uh, yeah that's uh, been in that field house. Uh, in fact, um, at the end of my time in, in Indiana, Heath Stroyer, I think he was at Tennessee Martin, came in and played Butler. So I sat right behind the bench there and watched that game. That's a story facility and. Uh, I actually spoke in that place. There, a, there was a church gathering there for uh, in that Indiana area, and I remember being in that. And I think I've, I think I've actually been in all the facilities one time or another, just uh, in, in my travels when I was in Indiana. Not watching game. That was the only college game that I watched. But uh, I, I'd always be with the missionaries, and in uh, most of we had people on every campus, and so I had a chance to kind of poke in and take a look at those places. And uh, so I think I think I've seen everything. IUPUI was our mission. That's where they're playing. They're playing their facilities. So they're all nice facilities. And uh, what a what a, what a cool thing to do this thing in Indiana and, and to have it all in one central location. So um, excited to watch. So for Utah State, they are playing Texas Tech, and I think there are people who will tell you the Big 12 was the best conference in the country. There's probably people who will tell you the Big 10 was, too. Uh, but even though Texas Tech is, uh, is down a little bit in the conference standings, the conference is deep enough that maybe that just means they've been tested and they've played a lot of big games. What do you think of the Aggies' chance of pulling an upset in his 11th seed? Hey, listen, I, I, I believe in Utah State. You know, uh, what they've done the last two years, I, you know, they're not as good offensively as they were last year, obviously, losing the big guard. They, they're just they're not. But uh, he's got the coach. And uh, I think both teams are very physical. Both teams are good defensively. You know, you know Texas Tech has had to play really, really physical basketball and, and night in and night out where – uh, you know, the Mountain West had they had the top of half of the Mountain West. You know, Colorado State, uh, Boise, uh, even Nevada at times. Obviously, San Diego State. Uh, they were uh, they they had a solid league. I mean, they they had good wins, had bad losses, but I like that league. It's the best that league's been in a while. So it wasn't like uh, Utah State came from a really soft league because I think this was one of the better Mountain West conference uh, seasons. Even though it was a COVID time and a lot of games were missed, uh, I, I, I like their chances. 
Uh, I mean, if I was doing my bracket, I'd probably pick Utah State because I, you know, I lived there and knew that. But in my heart, I'm, I'm thinking Texas Tech wins that game. But certainly Utah State uh, is capable and has the capacity. They don't. They go nice where they don't score real well, and they're going to have to put up, you know, 60 points to uh, to, to beat a Texas Tech team. Maybe I have to put up more than that. And if they can score early and stay in the game, I mean, you, you've got two great coaches. So I, I, I'm hoping that Utah State wins, but I think I'd probably pick Texas Tech just because of what they had to go through the year, game in and game out. Mark Pope has certainly generated a lot of enthusiasm in the BYU basketball program. He's got a ton of charisma, but I think it starts now because he needs to separate himself if he wants to be in the coach, and I'm sure he does want to be one of the better coaches. you got to win in the NCAA tournament. I asked him on the conference call as far as the great programs, which he played in one at Kentucky, obviously, that those programs are measured by success in the NCAA tournament. That's what you want. Is it fair going forward to judge Mark Pope and BYU based on the NCAA tournament? Well, listen, the, the BYU has been to the NCAA tournament a lot. I mean, in the last 20 years. I mean, Dave, I think, went eight times. Coach Rose, seven or eight times. And we went three in that last five years. And, and Mark would have been in it last year. So the expectation of getting to the tournament makes good sense. Uh, and I think they've, when you play on national TV, Gonzaga toe to toe, and have yourself in a position. I think anybody that watched that team says, "Hey, this team's capable of winning, you know, one or two games." And uh, so, yeah, I think there is the expectation for them to go there. It's not like they're an underdog. They 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 went toe to toe with the best team in the country, who's probably going to win a national championship, and they did it on a neutral court. So that raises expectations. Uh, you know, if they lose to Michigan State, you know, that there's, there's a name school that if you lose to, well, it was Michigan State. It wasn't, you know, some, some uh, Tier 5 school that upset somebody in a tournament and you should have won. I, I think there's an expectation in that program that whether they play Michigan State or UCLA, that they can win. And uh, But in terms of how they're judged, I... I think the thing that Mark has done in a really quick time and probably could not done it in, in an era where well, did it because of the transfer rules and, and getting guys eligible uh, immediately. You know, it was Barcello uh, with Harms, uh, Everett. I think he, I think he sat out, but uh, certainly the transfers, and we've talked about this before, you can get yourself better pretty quickly. And, you know, Mark talks all the time about having a great locker room and their coaching staff is really, really good about that and having the culture that you need and having guys bought in. So they've, they've done all the things that they should do. Uh, it's, it's really hard for me to find any real fault with, with Coach Pope and what he's done in the first two years. There's great energy. Guys love him and the fans, you know, even though they haven't been around this year, uh, the, the Gonzaga win the end of last year, you know, brought the kind of the community together and immediately you knew that BYU was going to be good again for a long stretch here. And I think that we talked about this before, but I just think his ability to get transfers and and to fill in holes for guys going on missions and coming off uh, is something that he's really good at. He's got a great personality, as does his whole staff. You know, they're really people 
oriented. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, everybody's judged. It's, it's fair. I mean, you're in this business, and I was in the tournament three times and, and came within the last minute of winning a couple of times and, and didn't, you know, and I look back and just, I mean, I'm, I'm not beating myself up over it, but that, that would have been really special. And we had opportunities to win in two of those games late and didn't. And we were playing two teams that had won national championships, come for story programs. And I felt like, you know, we, we didn't get it done. And I, I take responsibility for that. Players do too. But yeah, I mean, you, you win a couple of those games, you know, all of a sudden, you got a chance to be at the Sweet 16 because you get momentum. And, and uh, so there haven't been a lot of Sweet 16 teams at BYU. There have been a few, but uh, I think it's uh, – I'm, I'm not sure that this is a Sweet 16 team, but, but certainly if they shoot the three ball well, uh, they can beat either one of these teams. I mean, they've got to come out and shoot well. And, uh, and, and then I think Michigan State is going to be more physical – and and I think BYU is up for a game like that, um, but I, I I think Michigan State wins, and then I think it's going to be a really really good game, and BYU will need to play well to beat Michigan State. Uh, but we saw them play real well about a week ago against the number one team in the nation, and so it's hard not to believe that these guys can't replicate it and do it again. So hopefully that's what happens, and they play well um, and. And we don't let's not forget this either. BYU's been really solid defensively, and you know having arms at the rim and having good, strong, quick guards that are physical uh, and just don't let guys have their way. Defensively, they've done a really solid job. So um, they don't have to shoot it as well as they did against Gonzaga, but I, I think they need to be. If they're shooting 40, 45 percent from the field, and they're shooting 40 percent from the three then uh, probably they're in a position to, to beat Michigan State. If they don't, it, it, will, it will be challenging because I think Michigan State, I mean, you're talking about a team that finished ninth in their league. Sells you a little bit something about their league. They finished ninth, 15 and 12, and get to the tournament as 11th seed. Mind you, it's a playing game, but uh, that's a pretty doggone good league. And like you said before, the Big Ten and uh, the Big 12 are probably the two toughest leagues in the, in the country this year. We've all seen tournament games where a team that had tournament experience had a significant edge, calming the nerves, just playing the game, not worrying about everything else. Well, another team could be all wide-eyed. I watched this tournament the whole time growing up and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but we didn't have a tournament last year. I mean, we know who the tournament teams largely were, but they didn't actually get to play. And with a turnover two years graduation, all the transfers. I'm wondering if you think that will, you know, tournament experience is going to matter as much this year or if it's just going to be a really different kind of year because Utah State is playing Texas Tech. BYU, if if Michigan State beats UCLA, they will be playing teams that played each other in the Final Four two years ago. Texas Tech beat Michigan State. Does that matter, or is two years, 20 years in college basketball, and we're going to see a lot of nerves in the tournament this year? No, I think it it does matter to a certain degree because I think that people that are in those programs have those expectations, and it's not to say that BYU or Utah State don't have expectations to win and get to the next level in the next round or be Sweet 16 teams. They just haven't done it very often, you know. So there's not a history there, uh, whereas with these two clubs, story programs that have had great success and and with good coaches. So I I think the mindset of a Texas Tech or a Michigan State is 
hey, we've been there before. This is done before. This is what we do. This is who we are. It's not. I'm not saying that BYU and Utah State don't feel that and believe that and that their coaching staff isn't instilling that. I think they are. But still, it's different than, hey, we were you know, in a Final Four two years ago. I mean, that is a different expectation. That's a different place. And, uh, and you know, it, it gets guys fired up. The underdog deal is always what the NC2A is about. Now, the, the thing that isn't going to be happening is there's not going to be a lot of fans, I don't think, are there? I haven't seen anything officially about fans in the in facilities. If there are a few, uh, you know, it, it's not going to be a lot. So you're taking away that energy that comes to teams that are underdogs and all of a sudden in a, an entire arena of, People from other other schools, you know, they're neutral to the game. They don't care who wins. But all of a sudden, anytime it's a higher seat against a lower seat, they're pulling for the underdog. And interestingly enough, Michigan State and UCLA would would always be names like that. Or you know, you feel like you're the underdog, and yet BYU is not. I mean, they're they're a six seed, and and uh, but there's something to be said about the mindset of being in programs that have been to the Final Fours. And that expectation, you don't have to talk a lot about it. The players know that's why they went to that institution. That's why they were recruited there to go to, you know, final eights and sweet 16s and final fours. So, um, yeah, I, I would think that I don't think BYU is going in the start. They've got older guys now, you know, too. I mean, you've got three seniors that have been in college programs for almost five years now. So they've seen a lot. Uh, you know, how does a, Travis Snell or Spencer Johnson, how do they step up? You know, you watched them against Gonzaga make big plays and and uh, and, and and do things uh, in games. So I, I don't think they come into this thing wide-eyed and not sure and nervous. I think they believe. But once that ball gets tipped up, you have physicality of that game and everything. And that's the one thing I like about BYU. BYU has gotten so much better over the year in terms of physicality, defensively, a lot of it's game prep, you know, being in the right place. Uh, but, yeah, I think Michigan State, you know, UCLA's not been very good for a while. Uh, so I, I don't even know that the, these young kids, I mean, I know they, you know, UCLA's a storied program. But for Michigan State, and it's a different deal. And uh, they, they've been there and recently and uh, have a storied program as well. So, We'll see. I mean, I know the guys are going to be excited, and they'll be prepared. Well, you know, everybody's prepared at this time of the year, and I think that playing in a neutral site, playing no fans, I think that always benefits the, the uh, probably the, the team that is the more physically and more talented team. If there's not going to be fans, who 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 gets the the underdogs going? So you have not having fans, and Michigan State now. You figure if they end up beating UCLA, and that's what I'm, I'm thinking is going to happen, um, they've had three big-time wins against teams that have been ranked in the top five all year. So uh, I don't think they're going to come into any game thinking that they can't win. The Jazz are four and five in the last nine games. Is this just something that happens in the middle of the NBA season, or are teams catching up to them, the advantage that they had in continuity over other clubs early in the year, the fact their team playing teams a second and third time, they got a better idea what they want to do against the Jazz. Uh, you know, are, are teams catching up to them, and should fans be worried? Well, you know what? I, I don't know they need to be worried, but teams are going to catch up to them when you play them multiple times at this time of the year. But look at the rest of the league. 
I mean, everybody, I mean, got 10, 11, 12, 13 losses in the top three or four people. I mean, so it's happening everywhere. And, you know, they've got three road games at Boston, Washington, and Toronto, you know, and, and you know, all three of those programs are struggling. I mean, I mean Boston had a, a good win coming out of the All-Star break and lost. I mean, they're Boston's six and four, Washington's four and six, Toronto's three and seven. But we know they're all capable. I mean, certainly Boston and Toronto, if their guys are playing, the right guys are playing and they're healthy, those are difficult places to play on the road. You, you, you know, six months ago when you saw that schedule, or I guess these schedules probably weren't out six months ago with COVID, but once you saw that schedule, you go, that, those would be two tough places to play. And so I think it's what everybody's going through. I mean, all the teams with 13, 14, 18, 19 losses. I mean, uh, it's, it's just the nature of the year and uh, coming, you know, the second half of this year. I think the Jazz are still in a good position, even though they're, you know, they've, they've lost a few games. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I still think the Jazz are playing well. You know, they can't, they can't have guys. I mean, you start looking at, I'm watching this doggone. Uh, uh, all of a sudden, I forgot. I, I, I'm, I'm watching New Orleans Pelicans play, uh, and I'm thinking these guys—they're not a great basketball team. They're 17 and 22, but on a given night, they can beat anybody because they can score. You know, I mean, I, I didn't—I just didn't—I didn't see Golden State just thrashing the Clippers. You know, mind you, it was a home, so. Yeah, anything can happen, and I think this is the time of the year where it does, but there's a lot of parity in this league. There isn't much that separates one to eight, to be honest with you. I mean, we know who really has a chance to get to the finals, and and I think that if you took uh, Brooklyn, I mean, the Lakers haven't played great. Uh, You take the Clippers, teams of preseason, Philadelphia is playing better. Obviously, Utah is playing better. But there's only a handful of teams that can probably get to the finals just because if, if everybody stays healthy. And, and I think Utah has proven that after 38 games, they can get to a finals. They, they've demonstrated they can beat good teams, uh, but a lot of it, too, and I, and I wouldn't have the analytics and stats for this, but sometimes you're playing teams when they're missing players, and, uh, you know, you, you can get wins when, you know, maybe had certain guys not been sick or not been in protocol or whatever the circumstances were. But I think the Jazz are still solid. Jazz have a chance to go on the road and win these three games. And all three of those teams, they got question marks. People, they're not sure what's going on. Their own fan base doesn't know what's going on. They go on the road and lose two of those or three of those, then, then, then there's something to worry about. But I think if they go on the road and win two out of three or win all three, then I think that makes a huge statement as we get into the second half of the season that Utah's going to be at the top here in one or two of the conference, and they're going to, you know, they're going to have home court advantage. Steve, as always, we appreciate a few minutes talking Cougars, talking Aggies, talking Jazz. Enjoy the March Madness. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. It'll be fun to watch. See you guys. There's our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.